Hello and welcome to Collisions YYC, Follow the Money, Investing with Purpose. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. As, may, as some of you may have noticed by now, I've gone down a real curiosity road of what's happening over the last couple of years, and I've had a real privilege to talk to people in the investor community as well as in the startup community. So today on the show, uh, I've got a returning guest, Mr. Mark Mitchell from Red Thread Ventures coming back on. We had a great chat last fall, and with the new show, Follow the Money, I wanted to dig in a little bit, see what you're up to, talk about the deal flow. Mark, how you doing? Good, Tyler. I'm doing really good. Thanks for asking. And thanks again for having me on. My pleasure. So let's set the stage in case anyone hasn't. Uh, please go back. I think it was maybe October, November. I should I should have looked up the episode, but we've had it on before. So for anyone who didn't have a chance to listen, let's just set the stage. What's, uh, give us a little elevator pitch on what Red Thread Ventures is about, and then let's get into some of the nuts and bolts of what you guys are seeing out there right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so about two years ago, uh, I, I started Red Thread with my mentor, Sean Hodgins. Essentially, what we've built is an angel investment syndicate. Um, okay. You know, during the past two years, we've invested around five million dollars um, into around twenty companies. Uh, some of those companies have raised follow-on financings, uh, so it's been it's been good on that front. Um, you know, in addition to that, just through meeting tons of different investors and stuff, I also got really close with the guys at Valhalla Private Capital. Okay. So I actually in uh, in October, I actually formally joined the Valhalla team as well. Um, so I kind of wear both hats now and, oh, interesting. Um, okay. you know, I play, I play the role of Alberta chapter president within Valhalla. So really trying to work on, um, you know, just getting investors into some of these cool deals. Um, and we're using the red thread vehicles, uh, as, as kind of the investment vehicle for those, those deals. So it's been super, super, um, complimentary to what I was doing, uh, when I was kind of just focusing on red thread. Okay. Um, additionally, we're actually raising a new fund as well, uh, which is a separate a separate thing. But you know, similar people from both Valhalla and Red Thread uh, will be involved, so we can talk more about that uh, later. But yeah, so those are kind of the things that I'm spending my time on. So you've got a lot of spare time in your hands, is what yeah. I heard, and all that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and I have a angel investor. <laughs> Oh, and you got a two-year-old. Well, you know what? I, you know, if you want something done, ask a busy person. Isn't that the old joke? Because they'll always find time. Uh, in Angel, Angel Investment Syndicate versus the work you guys are doing with Valhalla Private Capital, thinking about you know part of what I want to do in these episodes is also help people really understand what is the difference between like use the word angel versus a pre-seed or a seed or even getting to a Series A. So when you look mm -hmm. at what you guys are doing with the Angel Investment Syndicate, $5 million over 20 companies versus what you're doing with private uh, Valhalla Private Capital. Are you addressing different areas of the market? So, you know, maybe Red Thread would pick them up a little bit earlier and then it would transition over to Valhalla. Am I being like, am I thinking um, about that the right way or how does that kind of line well, up? You're, like you're kind of think you're thinking about it. I mean, I, I, there is like obviously a partition between kind of different, different investors, folks on different stages. I think mm -hmm. like the stuff that we were naturally seeing and that we'd invested in uh, through Red Thread you know, is very similar to kind of deals we, we see at Valhalla that come okay. to the forum every month. Okay. Um, so there is just a ton of crossover, I think, in the deal flow. And and that's another reason why it was it's such a natural fit uh, to me to actually formally join the internal team there. Okay. Um, and, and Red Thread is basically now, you know, the syndicate vehicles that we've been using when there's a deal that comes through Valhalla that we want to all participate in. And there's like, you know, 10 or something people that want to put money in. And then we just use the Red Thread vehicles that we'd created to do the deal. So oh, that's I understand. So it's, 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 so it's, yeah. it's real. Like, so when you said complimentary, you really meant that in terms of how totally, that works. Yeah. Like, I get it. 
So one, yeah, allow, like one, is, allow, one allows, puts, it creates a structure where the other might be the actual investment opportunity, but then the structure sure. of syndicating 10 yeah. people together to bring sure. into one investment, there's, which then would be through Valhalla. Okay, I get it. Yeah, there's a ton of, cro- there's a ton of crossover um, just with deal flow. And then obviously like, you know, the people that are putting capital in. Um, mm-hmm. So just, yeah, extremely complimentary. So I'm kind of, you know, wearing both hats, but at the same time, like it's, it's starting to become kind of just my identity is, you know, doing everything like this. I appreciate that. Uh, well, it becomes a force. I understand how one's a force multiplier for the other and vice and vice versa. Sure. So you mentioned deal flow. What are you seeing in Alberta right now? And I know you guys have a preview bigger than Alberta. So maybe get your perspective of kind of what you're seeing maybe internationally or beyond our borders versus what you're seeing here. And it, are you guys getting enough deals coming on, on through? Do we need more? Like I always hear, oh, we need, you know, 10 times the startups that we have to really make this work. Like what are you seeing when it comes down to actual opportunities to invest in? There's tons of deals. Um, okay. So there's, I don't think there's ever really been a shortage of deals okay. per se, okay. um, but maybe a shortage of deals that I would say are are truly investable. Um, and <laughs> so does I, that does that even count as a deal then if it's not an investable deal or it really well, depends on who? I guess that's a tricky <laughs> tricky word. <laughs> it depends, I guess. You know, beauty's in the eye, the beholder, right? As, <laughs> as the, the phrase is. But I think at the same time, there's there's a lot of potential for even the deals that aren't necessarily investable today. There's a lot of potential for those companies. It's just like, how do they go from, you know, something that has potential to really the polish and refinement they would need to get people excited about, you know, parting with their money for like such an early stage uh, opportunity. And so, you know, there's, and there's, there's more and more of those deals that are popping up too. So it's not like there's, I don't think there's a lack of deal flow, even like deal flow that would be investable. It's just, you know, how do, how do we increase the velocity of those investments getting done? And so that's kind of like a lot of what I'm trying to focus on. And that's okay. part of the reason why uh, we're also raising a, a new uh, venture capital fund okay. is because, you know, the way we've been investing before um, and the way that like Valhalla typically invests and like, you know, what we were doing when it was just me thinking about Red Thread is it's like, it's a lot of people that kind of have to come together to do a deal together all okay. like in real time. And so there's not necessarily like a pool of, you know, $10 million sitting around dedicated to doing deals quickly. And so that's the difference see, between see, like the angel syndicate model versus like the actual venture capital fund. So if I'm a VC, I have a you know bank account with millions of dollars in it and a deal comes to me and I want to participate and I have to do it in a week. I could, I could write a large check in a week versus an angel syndicate where it's just, there's more moving parts, more people are making decisions. So you got to, you got to kind of uh, give yourself time to like market the deal effectively to your community of, of people that might want to participate. So I appreciate your comment on velocity of, you know, having 10 people at the table versus 10 people that maybe invest that same 10 group of 10 people invested in a $10 million fund. But now your mandate as a fund manager is to then put that fund to work and you're not looking for approval on every single stage of the deal or every sure. potential deal that comes along. So what, yeah. when, when you talk, I really like the concept of, it's easy to say speed, but the word velocity has more weight to it for some reason for me. Um, when you, how many deals are you seeing a month? Like, give us a number. Like, let's put the parameters around what crosses your desk. Even pick a week, whatever, whatever number is easier to grab wrap your head around. So it's, it's a lot, like probably, probably like one a day, Okay, like maybe 30 okay. a month. And maybe it's not necessarily one a day, but some days it's like four. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, no, a, it, 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 it sometimes rains. It sometimes pours rain. I get it. <laughs> yeah. Probably like 30 a month. And that, you know, there, it, I could probably see more, but right now, like, it all comes down to bandwidth and like what you need to prioritize. I think just anyone who's, who's working in any job, like you need to think about what are the, what are the big rocks that I need to move to get this thing going? 
And for us, like we're, you know, we're really focused on raising a fund as well as like, you know, continuing to build out like our, our angel presence within Valhalla and Red Thread and like figuring out, you know, how do we make this more of a well-oiled machine? Um, and so I'm not, I'm not as focused on like hunting deals right now. Okay. Um, more so like thinking about like large scale operations of, of this thing that we're trying to build. How do you make the engine? Um, so it could be more deals, I think, if I was more hunt on the hunting uh, okay. side of things right now. But it's more so on the gathering, uh, as well as just being super strategic about connecting with really good investors. And that's that's where I'm mostly trying to focus on getting deal flow from is people that I really trust that are also participating in deals mm. um, that have a ton of skin in the game. And that's like where I'm I'm pretty biased right now to finding deals from. Creates the highest, the, yeah, the highest, the least amount of touch points with the highest amount of outcome. And in terms of investors, are you seeing this? Are you looking in Alberta? Like are these Alberta focused investors, or you're looking broader than that? Very, like it's pretty broad. I think just the way that everyone's, uh, you know, working these days, it's it's very virtual. Like we're, you know, I'm connecting with people in the U.S. every week. I'm connecting with people in Toronto. I'm connecting with people in Vancouver. Obviously, Alberta, um, but. It's not, it hasn't been a ton of like face-to-face meetings. Like people are getting more, I think people are wanting to just meet virtually mostly these days. So it, it allows us to meet with like anyone. Um, but obviously like Alberta is where we have our roots. So I think our network's probably the strongest here. Okay. Um, so any, yeah. do you notice anything around the sophistication, the quality, the comfort level, I guess, of investors coming through Alberta versus coming in from maybe more mature ecosystems? And, you know, we, we are building our ecosystem here. And I think that's mm-hmm. not something to shy away from admitting. Are, do you notice like even the, the tone of the conversations? Is it different or is it, or is it, is it similar? Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily notice a big difference. Like, I think okay. it just depends kind of on how close that that individual is to this ecosystem like mm. respect you know d- d- doesn't matter where they are geographically um you know there could be people that just you know maybe they have a lot of money from a different industry they're not really understanding of this asset class yet okay and for them the the you know time frame to get up to speed is just as long as it would be if it was you know someone in alberta who maybe alberta ecosystem smaller but they're still just they need that time period to kind of get you know, really understanding of the asset class and where the opportunities are and obviously okay. how to de-risk yourself and stuff. So it's more so on how far that person is away from, you know, whatever tech ecosystem they have in their respective city. Ah, okay. Okay. I understand. I appreciate that. And Craig, you mentioned the tech ecosystem. Are, are the majority of the opportunities you're looking at, I guess, what isn't, what doesn't have some background of technology right now, but in terms of your thesis around what you are investing in and not, is it more about how you see the deal shaping up and the opportunity? Or do you have a set of filters that are like, well, there's certain sectors or there's certain areas that we are very much more attracted to from a deal flow, whether it's, it could be all technology, but is it in health? Is it in energy? Is it in, you know, what, whatever it could be? How do you guys break that down or is it just about the deal itself? I think it's more, it's more about the deal, but also like who's behind it. Mm, Like who are the people that have, that have started this thing? What are their backgrounds? You know, do they have experience being entrepreneurs before? Um, You know, how connected are they to whatever their target customer base is through like some of their, their own personal networks? Um, Like a company we're looking at right now, like the founder is, you know, he's, he'd already sold a previous company for a lot of money. He has extremely strong, you know, investor networks around the world. One of his advisors is in the same industry, but kind of an adjacent vertical within the industry. And his company, the advisor's company, has raised like a billion dollars from the most famous investors in the world. So there's like all these like kind of soft signals that 
kind of make it one of those companies that we're like, yeah, we need to do more work looking at this company because there's a okay. lot of these signals. And in that case, you know, it's it's a very much a, a bet on like the, the individuals behind it. But I think investing at early stages, like pre-seed, seed, it kind of is always, you know, you're always very biased towards the people. Um, yeah. The, the offering, you know, the, the whatever the product is, it's like, that's important because people have to buy it or pay for it, whatever. But it's like, if the people are the wrong people, it's not getting anywhere. So that's like what we're really focused on. And that's kind of like the main filters we use are like these different signals around the deal. Uh, you know, founder side, investor side. Um, and then from there, it's like, okay, does this product make sense? Do they have customers? Are they, what's the traction like? Um, you know, how fast can they ramp up? Is there scale scaling model? Um, you know, is there, is there logic behind it is, you know, so there's like uh, these other things that are after, you know, those first initial checks are kind of, um, met and okay. those initial checks are all based on people. Yeah. I've heard someone say, they kind of said it in a way of like, well, you're investing in the people now for the company that then they'll create in the future. Like eventually the payoff will be the company, but right now it's no question it's the people, especially in those early stages. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, totally. like there's macro trends that I think of, but it's, of course, you're, you're, not as you're trying to see where the wave is going kind of thing when it comes to yeah. society and what we're, what we're now demanding more, more of. Uh, curious sure. around the concept of purpose. When you meet an organization like that, how much do you guys or how much value does it have? And I think it's even more relevant in kind of pre-seed or even earlier stages when there isn't necessarily a product yet. There might be a proposed solution or there might be, uh, you know, an MVP that's kind of loose and that product market fit. Are you looking at not only, I appreciate the teams and the backing and what that looks like, but how much do you look at, you know, is there a root purpose that matters to you guys when you look in to say, well, okay, what's going to carry the guys, the, this team through until they actually have something substantial until they get that first customer? Cause a lot of times it's hopes and dreams until it's not right. <laughs> no, for sure. That that's, that's absolutely true. I think, um, the word impact, like I like to think of that. Um, I think of that though in more so like, is, is the problem you're solving a real problem that mm -hmm. makes sense that, that is, you know, is going to be something that people will pay in your soul is your solution something people will pay money for. So is the problem real? Does it have like true bearing in the world? Is it something that's, you know, going to persist if you don't solve it over the next decade or so? Um, meaning like, is your solution going to, you know, be something people will pay for, for hopefully a long time. Um, so it comes like, is the, the problem needs to have substance. So whatever they're solving, like has to be something that really makes sense. And like, isn't, you know, it has to be a, something that is very obvious okay. when you, when you listen to it, it doesn't have to, it can't be something that, you know, if we think about it hard for 10 minutes, we don't get it. It's like, <laughs> it has to be kind of a real problem that anyone could resonate with. If, if they were told that this is a problem, they would be like, Oh yeah, this is a problem. Uh, mm -hmm. you don't, you shouldn't have to think too hard about it. Do you run into technically oriented teams? You know, I, I, know, I know people and especially working in marketing, we've run into this so often where the technical team has fallen so in love with the complexity of the thing that they're solving that even from a marketing perspective, you're like, you almost can't, if you can't boil it down into a simple headline that someone could read and go, oh, I get it. There's a problem. And I've run into that. And I find the more technically oriented the organization, often sometimes the deeper in the weeds they get. And you're right. If you had all afternoon, I could understand the problem, but in five minutes, I, I don't get it. Do you find that that yeah. in the world of technical solutioning, that that can be a real risk for startups potentially um i think i think if you have like a, a balanced team and that's that is something that we would look for okay. is like you yep. know if you have a really strong technical 
co-founder, then you have a really strong like business or sales or, you know, the kind of the visionary co-founder, um, that shouldn't, that hopefully isn't an issue. And then if, if that is an issue, it's like those teams, if, if we ever saw a company like that, we'd probably like give them some feedback and then hopefully they're, they're super early that most likely they would be in this case to like, you know, find that complimentary co-founder, um, to, to kind of, you know, uh, strengthen the offering and make sure that they're not getting too deep into the weeds and they're thinking like, Oh, taking a step back and thinking, Hey, what's the problem we're really solving? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I appreciate the It's the yin, the yin and the yang of the, of the technical solution versus the business and then to be, and the ability to communicate sure. it effectively. Yeah. Um, Thinking about your last few your last few deals, like any 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 like you know highlight reel in terms of like maybe these were and again I want to be respectful, so no need to get you can be as specific as you want or as vague as you like. But the last three yeses or the last three nos, which ones kind of stood out for you? They were like ah, that was so close to a yes, but it was a no, and here and here's kind of why. Mm. So I'll, I'll maybe I'll talk about the the yeses first. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think about actually the nos to be honest. Um, so there is a couple deals that we did at the end of, uh, 2021. Uh, one of them was a reinvestment, uh, into a follow on financing in a company that we'd previously invested in called Wyvern. That's actually a company out of Edmonton. Okay. Uh, they got their start at the U of A, um, super smart, technical, uh, co-founders, but also just very like business savvy. Um, they're in the space tech industry. They had some initial, you know, traction with customers, um, they, you know, they were really, really good at kind of telling their story and getting initial investors to put money into the pre-seed round. Um, and then, you know, I think they, they got the news out there about their company well enough that they actually got accepted into Y Combinator, which is, a really Oh, right nice on. Yeah. Down in the, yeah, that's, that, that's, that, that feels like a bit of the golden ticket when it comes to a startup process. <laughs> well, I think, I think for something like that can really help when you're a company, uh, in, in like a more under the radar city, like in Edmonton, mm. because you, you know, you gotta, you have to be able to somehow like make inroads to some of those other markets, okay. um, you know, for the customer bases, for the investor bases that those places might offer you. Um, and so they did that and then they got, you know, they got some interest from us investors that ended up, you know, doing a, a another investment in the company at a larger valuation. And then we, so we reinvest in that company, which is super exciting. Cause that's like, I think that's one of the biggest actually benefits for being an investor in a more under the radar place like a Western Canada, especially like an Edmonton. Okay. Because like, you know, valuation for pre-seed round is something and then US investor gets a sniff of it. They, you know, think the price is way higher. Uh, obviously business fund and fundamentals haven't really changed in such a short time frame, mm. but we're all, we're all of a sudden getting a, a massive increase in our uh in our equity in a very short amount of time mm-hmm. so that like canadian to us kind of playbook yeah is something that i think a lot about because and you'll there's a there's a trend of that is like us investors are starting to look more towards uh different you know geographies different markets uh because valuations are, are much more reasonable. well because it looks it looks like um, a good deal that's i really appreciate that this, yeah. this company honestly like i'm i'm extremely bullish on so and I'm super biased, obviously, but it's a good <laughs> no, example. Hey, by the time you're investing, you're 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 obviously believing in the potential for sure. 100%. Yeah. So, but um, I appreciate but the criteria of like kind of let's like you laid out a bit of a roadmap of like, hey, if you're thinking about this, like 
getting influence and getting inroads into those other geographies that will yeah. by default increase your valuation based yeah. on just the perception. Is that risky at all from the over? Like I've heard a lot of people on the show talk about, you know, be careful. Don't get, don't get drunk on the, on the overvaluation. Don't have to do it. Yeah. Don't yourself I mean, up for a down round. Like that's come up sure. many, many times on the show. Yeah, for sure. And you obviously like there's, there's now going to be a time frame where, you know, any company that gets in that situation, you know, even like a, a wyvern, they're going to have to like, you know, close their customers. They're going to have to actually show that they're, you know, the business fundamentals make sense for, you know, that valuation, but even a larger one. Um, I just think, you know, it's, it's dependent again on the people who are running the operation. Like, mm-hmm. um, uh, you can't get too, too ahead of yourself, but I think sometimes if you get in a situation where someone plays, pays a higher price for something that maybe the business fundamentals aren't necessarily there yet, uh, you know, it can be, a, it can be a motivating factor to like, you know, make sure you're doubling down on what's <laughs> to run, to run, to run like hell afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. I got it. As, as fast <laughs> so, as you can to actually live up, live up to that evaluation. For, for sure. And that's exactly I appreciate what that, that can be. There's a lot of factors that play into that as well. And oh, external, totally, external yeah. being, being a big part of it. Yeah. And, and these guys have been doing an amazing job of doing exactly that and, and literally doing everything that they said they were going to do, hmm. uh, which has been fantastic to watch. So very grateful to be, uh, in that company. Um, I would say, you know, any, any companies, that's kind of one that I would highlight as like something we did and we like, you know, very bullish on, um, there's a couple other ones I could, I could jump into. I mean, would it be more powerful? Do you think if I jumped into those or would you like, would it be good to think about like one that ones we said no to? I think the no would be interesting. Like, I appreciate like that. You yeah. said yes to that one, but you gave a story of like, well, this is actually why it looked more valuable was yeah. even beyond what they were offering. But the fact that they had gone through the right mechanisms to get there. And I appreciate totally. giving the audience a chance to understand. It's not always about, yeah, we have the best solution and the best potential, but we also did a few things that really led to us being recognized. We got out there, we got some eyes on us. We got evaluations from across the border. To me, that's interesting because it just paints a, it just shows how important it is to, to navigate the game and not just the offering, which I know sounds yeah. obvious, but I think it's critical. Sure. And when you're building a solution and trying to get product market fit, that can really take up most of your time. Yeah. But yeah, I'd love to 100%. hear some of the no's and like what were, especially ones that you maybe got close to. And again, not have to be specific, but yeah, we got down the path and then we realized, nah, this just wasn't working. And here's maybe the things that stopped us from going forward and pulling the trigger. So... I think just the way that we've invested in the in the past, like using our angel syndicates, um, because I know and I've I've done it now many times where you know I've kind of been the one to see the deal initially, you know, uh, write like a DD report as a team, help you know, talk to the founder about any questions we might have, and then you know once we get to the point where we're excited, then it's like we need to do kind of the marketing effort to the broader community of people that might put money into yeah. the deal, so. I'm also, I'm very cognizant, like how much work that marketing exercise actually is if you want to do it right. So it's very rare actually that we now, you know, get past initial interest, excitement on our end, and then actually bring it to the group if we don't think it's going to resonate. Okay. And so that's another difference between, that's another difference between like angel syndicate investing versus like investing as a fund manager. Okay. So like there's been situations where there's been deals I've been excited about, but I knew that personally, I just didn't have the bandwidth to market it effectively. So we had to pass okay, or, interesting. you know, uh, I didn't think it, maybe I didn't think it would resonate with enough people. So we had to pass. Um, how many participants so there's, there's, in your, how many participants in your syndicate? 
Uh, we have like around 50 investors that have invested in Red Thread. They're okay. like shareholders. Um, yep. So, yeah, and then so that's you know that's it's pretty pretty good. And there's it's a good good base of people that I uh, are interested in a lot of a lot of different opportunities. Okay, but you got to be as as someone who's kind of leading those syndicates, you need to be obviously aware of uh, what those people are interested in. Of course, and uh, otherwise you just end up spending way too much time marketing deals. And so that's another reason why having a venture fund just makes more sense if you want to be a a serious investor. Um, and also, it really, I appreciate your comment on velocity. Velocity. There's a lot of friction when you've got 50 people to market something to. Uh, you know, totally. from, and just just to make it as simple as possible, you have to literally sell that opportunity to 50 different people, knowing that, or you know, and you probably know that 20 that might fit a certain deal, or the 10 that might fit another deal, uh, as you yeah. get to know those participants and what what they have a flavor for. Totally, 100. percent And I think, like, you know, just regarding some deals that we've 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 kind of passed on before we actually did that like marketing exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like similar kind of characteristics, I think in a lot of them, um, which is usually, you know, around the offering just isn't really crisp enough okay. to really understand like why there's someone deserving of raising that money at that valuation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not really mature enough. And like, what I mean by that is like, you know, maybe the, the story just doesn't make sense totally yet. There's still some holes in kind of the narrative or the problem isn't really well defined. They don't really, they haven't really demonstrated that they can sell this thing, whatever they're okay. trying to build. They haven't really demonstrated that people are interested in it yet. So, you know, I think there's a lot of companies that are at that kind of like, you know, foundational layer where there's still things they need to work on before they can really separate themselves from the pack and raise like that first round of capital. Okay. And as you go up, obviously the, the amount of companies that f- go up uh, becomes less, right? So there's like a pyramid, I think of like yeah, it's a, re- it's a reverse. The funnel is way bigger at the bottom than the top. Totally, yeah, totally. Yeah. So, and and so there's like we 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 see a lot of companies where there's definitely potential, but they're still like f- they're they're trying to raise capital. It's not really resonating. And you know when you hear the pitch from from our perspective, it's obvious why because they're just they need more time to really like fill some of those holes. And those holes are just, you know, what's the real narrative for someone, an investor to get excited about investing now? And so not not in like five months when you get, you know, your customers you're talking about or you're talking to, but there has to be like real evidence that you actually have some kind of traction that separates you from, you know, that, that pack of companies that are all kind of at that stage. Because um, valuations, like a lot of these companies are raising money at very similar valuations, but, you know, unless you've kind of broken out from the pack, you just you should continue working on some of those business things to really solidify that case for investment. I appreciate what you said. It's not it's not what I'm not what I'm not hearing is, oh, it's a bad idea or it's not gonna work. It's just no, maybe, maybe not, but it's not refined enough. We haven't checked out off the all the boxes. It's not a clean I like what you said, yours the word crisp. It's not a crisp enough deal that can you can really see and go, Oh, I get it, and I see all those pieces. Doesn't mean it won't be there in six months, but it's not there yet, is what I'm really hearing you say. Mm. For sure. At that point, do you give that? Did you do you give any of that kind of? Because I know that takes a lot of time to give that feedback. But is that something you guys offer up? And are are founders willing to hear it? I guess is the other question. Yeah, honestly, yes. Like I've, um, I think when I when I first kind of started, I was pretty hesitant in in like being super candid. Uh, but I, I think I was also also just learning like a lot of these different mechanics and like how to like look for saying signals to look for, um, you know uh pattern matching like a lot of a lot of a lot of investing at the early stage at least for filtering is like you need to be good at kind of recognizing some of those signals that 
that give you that that spidey sense of okay i need to you know dig deeper into this one because there's just so many deals um so yes a hundred percent if if i'm actually listening to a pitch and i have the opportunity to give feedback i will always try my best to give super candid feedback that's you know actionable that isn't just you know saying oh your deal sucks <laughs> it's, it's more like hey you, you don't you don't uh, find that helpful feedback no, like, no i don't no. know i just don't i just don't like it okay well thanks thanks for telling me nothing <laughs> so yeah 100 like actionable if, if feedback I'm, let everyone hear that actionable, actionable right? feedback. Like, do, you know do this think about it this way and also like always framing everything i say with the preface of hey i'm one person i don't know everything i'm not like i haven't been doing this for 30 years I've been fortunate enough to see a lot of opportunities in a short amount of time. So I think I have, you know, the, the, the amount of experience I put into a short amount of time is, okay, is pretty good, yeah. but like I'm only one person. So, <laughs> but I do say like, Hey, you know, you know, work on your, uh, you know, work on your, um, traction a little bit more, like try to like land that customer, um, you know, get some feedback from your early, like adopters, like understanding kind of you know, what their problem is that you're solving, how your solution is actually solving their problem. Like show us a case study. Case studies are one of those things that a lot of people actually in their presentations, they don't even put a case study. So that's something there that you can easily add if you do have customers. Hey, this is our, this is Joe. Joe uses our product this way. This is the problem Joe had. This is how our our product is helping Joe. You know, this is how much money Joe is making for us. This is, you know, the value he's getting. Like, that kind of stuff is is so invaluable for for a presentation. So. Well, because that moves it from a conceptual or a, or I think it's going to have this result to this is the actual result that it's getting. Which again, it moves oh, yeah. it out of the realm of potential and makes it somewhat real. Even if it's one or two case yeah. studies, that can be huge. Well, obviously in our world, case studies is a big factor when it comes to any to communicate any business to business you know play and you know, sometimes sometimes clients don't even read them in detail, but the fact that you have them goes a long way. I don't want to oversimplify that or minimize it, but, oh, you've got a case study, you've got some bullet points, I see the results or, you know, some type of an ROI uh, way of showing it depending on the, on the offering, but... Interesting. Yep. And I appreciate that you're willing to give, you know, actionable feedback and that founders are willing to, willing to take it. Uh, um, magic wand question. If you could ma- wave a magic wand out there in the world of venture capital investing or the world of startups or kind of your world specifically that can remove some obstacles or make things better. What would you, what would, what would be your magic wand? Yeah, that's a, probably a lot of things I would wish for, to be honest. Um, <laughs> so kind of hard to narrow it down to one. Um, well, you can give me a couple. Guess, this isn't, yeah, don't give I me guess, the best one. Give me a couple. Give me, give me your highlight reel a little bit. <laughs> I guess just one, one that kind of pops to mind is, uh, more people thinking about this asset class as something that they could do themselves. Like, you know, you could okay. be an angel okay. investor. You could you could start an angel syndicate. You know, there's platforms out there now like AngelList and we actually don't use AngelList, but like it's it's there's all these things that are, you know, popping up that are kind of democratizing like people being able to be involved mm-hmm. in this asset class. Um, and then just thinking about like thinking about your investing uh you know, your personal investing with kind of like an impact lens. I, I know that word gets thrown out a lot now. And I'm not, I'm not saying it in like a um, social justice way or anything. It's more okay. so like, just if you're, if you're like wanting, if you're parting with money and you're putting money into something, like what better place to put it than in kind of your, you know, up and coming businesses that truly have potential to change the world. Like it's not, 
So that's that's really exciting to me. And I think I think a lot of people just kind of see like VC or Angels and you're like, oh, those are like, you know, that's what they do on Dragon's Den or something. And, you know, you have to be like super rich to do this. And you have to, you know, so it's like there's a lot of these kind of misconceptions, I think, where, mm-hmm. you know, it's actually just more about like, are you willing to be someone who, you know, has a, I think, an optimistic outlook on the future? Um, and are you interested into, you know, are you interested in getting to the, 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 the nitty gritty and some like really big problems that are, you know, the world is facing. Right. And so it's super inspiring. It's, it's super energizing. Um, and it's insanely impactful. And that's, that's why I think it's like, you know, one of the most exciting places to spend time, uh, in, uh, investing. So I really appreciate the unpacking it to the point of, yes, you can have financial upside, but you can also have, you know, impact. And I, and I agree it's an overused word, but you can have an impact on an individual, a group of people, you know, as an angel or someone who's maybe at a certain point in your career where you've got, you've got money, you've got experience, and maybe you have time. What a great way to use that time to, you know, take a portion of like portfolio theory, like I'm going to cleave off 15% or 10% or whatever the number might be and go and play in this space where, you know, I'm going to have some wins, I'm going to have some losses, but I'm going to change people's lives. That's an interesting way to to think about that beyond the like, oh, it's just another investment class. We're going to use it to make money. It, it is so much more than that. When you give your money your, to your money manager and you talk to them once a year, you don't necessarily get much of an impact feeling from that. Yeah, for sure. No, I appreciate that. Mark, always enjoy your passion. And clearly, clearly you love even from the, our last conversation to now, I feel you're like, you're digging in even more and getting even deeper into, into the space. So I can hear your passion. I can hear your passion in our first conversation and I can certainly hear it here today. So if anybody wants to reach out and wants to get a hold of you, what's the, what's the, what's the best ways? LinkedIn. I mean, add me on LinkedIn. Um, you can, I mean, anyone could find me just search like, uh, I think my name on LinkedIn is J Mark Mitchell. Um, Add me on LinkedIn, uh, send me an email, uh, mark.mitchell at redthread.ventures. Um, you know, just, yeah, feel free to reach out to someone who I'm connected to. If you want to, to introduce yourself via someone else, that's always not a bad way to go about doing intros, but yeah. I mean, I'm also Link- LinkedIn's well good talk, for that one. <laughs> yeah. To talk to like pretty much anyone. Um, yeah. So I would, I would love to have conversations with people if you're interested and, um, yeah, again, like super excited uh, to, to move forward with some of the initiatives we're doing. And hopefully I can join your podcast again, Tyler, in the future and give you another update. I appreciate that. No, I'm, uh, I'm, the, I'm getting a lot of these episodes now. I'm like, well, wait, we're going to do the where are they now, like in six months and what's happening. And I just hear, you know, there's huge progress from even when you and I chatted last time, which doesn't, I don't know, time. I have no sense of time in COVID anymore. <laughs> it feels like it was six months ago. I don't know. Uh, Mark, I enjoyed our first cat and I enjoyed this one as well. Thanks for sharing. And uh, I appreciate the effort and the energy that you're putting into uh, no easy task, but we're changing the ecosystem specifically here in Western Canada. And it's companies, companies like yours that are helping adding some fuel to that fire. So I really appreciate that. Thanks, Tyler. Awesome. Have a good one, my friend. Yeah, you too.